There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. And welcome to Security and Security, the podcast where I say it's okay to not be okay. I'm Johnny Seifert, and every week I'm joined by one very special guest. It was five years ago that my guest this week first shined when she was part of the 12th series of The Apprentice before going on to serve to Big Brother and then becoming one of the most busiest businessmen in the world. But that was all on the outside. And on the inside, it was all a little bit different. And it was a very different story. So I want to welcome to Security and Security, Jessica Cunningham. So there's so much I want to talk to you about, Jess. And Amazing. I feel like the best place really to start is back in your childhood. So you were born in Derbyshire, raised in Burnley in the late 80s, early 90s. What was life for Jessica like? Well, actually, I was born in Burnley and I only moved to Derbyshire four years ago. Well, four or five, year, uh, five years ago it was. Um, well, hold yeah, on. Wikipedia has then just told a massive lie. <laughs> if you go on your Wikipedia page, <laughs> as I do right now, because it's not like I can oh, blame oh. my assistant. It says, Jessica Cunningham, because obviously you are on Wikipedia because you're famous. It yeah. says... Uh, it also says I'm a multi-millionaire, whereas I'm still, I'm still working my way up to that standard. <laughs> but I've got Jessica Cunningham was born in Johnfield, Derbyshire, England in March 1987. However, she was raised in Burnley, where her parents ran a second-hand store. They sent Cunningham to the private West Holmes School in Blackburn, although she later switched to a state school at Wilford's Church of England Academy, also in Blackburn. Anything in Who there that's so true? This? Yeah, so the only... Everything's true apart from the beginning part. But who actually writes your Wikipedia? Well, I'm still waiting for someone to write my Wikipedia. So if we ever do find <laughs> out, can you let me know? I don't want to do it myself. I want someone to do it for you. me. <laughs> I'll do it, Johnny. Don't worry. Thank Get you. Get it sent over. So where did you actually begin? Born in Burnley, raised in Burnley, and then lost my way massively. Then I started working in Magaloth, in Ibiza, in Dubai, in France. Did a little bit of travelling. And when I came back, um, I think it was about 26 three or 22 and then met my ex-partner had children split up with him move over to Sheffield and then had some more children during lockdown it was tier one two three four for you it's tier baby one tier baby two tier baby three 
I know now I'm on tier baby five. Like I'm absolutely, this is definitely the last baby. I am so tired. I was just saying to my partner, Alex, today, who is actually amazing. I'm just so grumpy and I'm not used to being a grumpy person. Whereas when I'm pregnant, I am just, I'm like a, an angry dragon, Johnny. <laughs> well, this is the thing. I, I, I want to talk to you about having children because I've, you know, you've been through a lot in your life. So I want to get back yeah. to there, but I want to go back to okay. the beginning. So what was school like for you growing up? Oh, I hated school. I absolutely hated school. Bearing in mind, I went to a private school and my mum and dad could not afford it. We used to have bailiffs knocking on the door, like demanding money. I absolutely hated school. I was dyslexic. They didn't pick up on it. I used to feel stupid all the time. I used to feel really thick. Um, the teachers weren't great. I just, I absolutely hated school. I only really started falling in love with learning after I left, when I started learning about things that I was actually interested in. I left schools with six C's, a D E F in a U. School left me feeling very insecure. It left me feeling incapable. Um, I would say it was definitely to do with parenting and my dad being a massive influence on that. Um, my dad used to make me work in the secondhand shops. That's where I got a lot of my wheeler dealer stuff from. Um, it, he was always a grafter. So I was always a grafter. My mum was always a grafter. And then with everything, my dad always really instilled this mindset of we can do anything. We can achieve anything. If I went to my dad with an idea, it'd be like, brilliant. Jess yeah how can we make this work I believe in it come on how can we do it and I think that is where it came from whereas at school I was told well told and made to feel stupid like I was completely incompetent oh I just I hated I hated school and also as well do you know when you have those friends who aren't really friends they're like mean girlfriends well you might have had like mean boyfriends I had friends like that it was only really when I went to um, a public school that I actually made nice friends See, this is what happens. Money can't bring you happiness, my friend. <laughs> you pay for the private education, you don't get the private <laughs> happy lifestyle. Well, money was always a big thing for you. you uh, if, if you're okay to talk about it, you worked as Roxanne Fox for a while. <laughs> Again, Wikipedia. Yeah, like... <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so when I was 19 to about, I think I did, I think I was a stripper for around six months of my life. I was living in Dubai and I had a really, really good job in Dubai actually. I was over there and I had to set up an office and then collect data. But like I was in charge of setting this amazing office up, but I just absolutely hated it because it was a new project. I was there by myself. I was 21 or 22. So really, really young. And then when I came back to the UK because I was miserable, I literally had spent all my wage. I had no money. And I was like, right, what can I do? And I was in a bit of a lull. And one of my friends was like, yeah, yeah, so I'm going to try stripping. I was like, oh, God, I could never do that. And she's like, oh, why don't you try it? And then I tried it. And it wasn't as bad as I thought. But looking back now, there is no way I would ever do anything like that. Basically, when I was 29, a lot of suppressed memories came back from early childhood sexual abuse. That I, that I had when I was between four and eight from a really close family friend. When those memories came back, they literally came back two weeks before I went onto The Apprentice. I could, I've, bear in mind, I've seen the guy as well in adult life and nothing came back. Like my body reacted to him, but I just thought, this is really weird. I was like, do I fancy my friend's dad? What the hell's going on? And I just didn't think anything. I just did not think that he'd abused me. I, that The thought didn't even come into my mind. And then when I was 29, my little girl got into bed with me and she touched my boob by accident when I was half asleep and it triggered loads of memories. And the day after I woke up just feeling like something really bad had happened and just feeling physically sick. 
and I just wanted my mum. So I literally got all the kids in the car, drove two hours to Burnley. As soon as I got to Burnley, I was physically sick when I got out of the car and everything just came back about the abuse, about this guy. Um, it was horrific. But at the same time, when all these memories came back, so did an understanding of why I used to go out all the time, drink, why I became a stripper, why I, did, why I had no respect for my body, why I lacked confidence. Because when somebody does that to you at such a young age, they take away your self-worth, they take away your self-respect, they take away your respect for your body because they violate it. I grew up violating my body, just putting myself in really vulnerable situations subconsciously because it's just mental, but everything yeah it was crazy and I've done to be fair I find it quite easy to talk about that because I've done a lot of work on everything that happened and I think that's that's why I can talk about it whereas before doing sort of all the work and all therapy when I used to talk about it I used to, just, used to go into like a depression for days I'm so sorry to hear that and if you've ever been affected by what you've heard please contact women's aid women's aid.org.uk so you can get more information that the, it's 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 interesting you said that it was at such a young age because you had a massive pause in the middle, if you effectively, because between the ages of four and eight, you are a child and yeah. you're still looking at the world. And it's not like if it, God forbid, had happened to you at 15, then you're really going to be acting out because you normalize it. Whereas at that age, you can't really normalize it. You might know it's wrong, but you don't know how to suppress those feelings, like you said. So you suppress them in the moment. So this is one thing yeah. I couldn't understand. I couldn't understand how I could forget that or at what point you forget that that's happened. But when everything came back, I went to see a therapist because you, when you suppress memories, it's really weird because you, 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 have, no you have no recollection of it until it comes back. And then you think you're a bit mental, you think you, you've gone crazy, you don't understand how you could forget something. But apparently, when you suppress it, you do it in that moment, your body goes into fight or flight, so you instantly forget, you instantly block it out. You leave, From a, a, a psychological point of view, you leave your body, if you will. But my body had remembered what had happened to me. So when I've seen this guy in adult life, like my body reacted in, in a sexual way. And I was like, oh, this is really weird. And the guy that I remember from being little was really good fun, you know, really, um, like, just a really good fun person. And I remember growing up thinking, oh, I want to show him what a big girl I've become, you know, how grown up I am. And then looking back, I understand why I had all these thoughts and feelings because he'd abused me. It's, honestly, it's, it's a really, if anyone is listening to this who's been through the same, they'll get it. I always had this innate feeling when I moved over to Dronfield when I was by myself and you're going through stressful situations I started thinking have I been abused and I was like no who would abuse me no that that can't have happened and again I suppressed it but you, your brain starts to give you information that you can handle when you can handle it when I went onto the apprentice two weeks before I had two businesses the three girls and I was doing the business plan for Lord Sugar so the amount of pressure that I was under in stress something had to give and then when my little girl triggered me that's when everything came out. Growing up again, I always remember this guy being super friendly, really good fun, you know, or we always used to go for sleepovers, always used to go around. When I saw him out of life, he couldn't look at me in the eyes. But obviously this is not the person that I remembered. So I was like, that's so weird. Why can't, why can't he look at me? And every time he used to go into the house, he would always avoid seeing me. And again, I never worked it out. But every time I saw him, my body had this sexual reaction to him. And bearing in mind, he's like 40 years older than me. And I was like, oh, that's weird. Do I fancy my friend's dad? And I couldn't work out why my body was reacting to this man in this way when it had never reacted this way before to any mm. older man. Do you understand? I just couldn't understand how I couldn't remember, like why nothing came back when he was there in front of me. Did you go to the police? 
oh, this is the thing. So basically, when I did my training to do with EFT and matrix reimprinting, that's when you can actually access subconscious memories. Loads of flashbacks would come back, but nothing... Like, do you know when you have a flashback of something, but then you actually have a memory? When I did my EFT and matrix training, memories came back, like really awful memories. And then I, when they came back, I went to the police with it. The police told me I had a really, really strong case. Um, it was looking positive. I went through a year of going back and forth. And then only probably about three, four months ago, the police said that the case wasn't, the, the evidence wasn't strong enough. So when they're dealing with historic cases, there has to be solid evidence. Bearing in mind, they spoke to witnesses who said that, well, who basically agreed with what I was saying. But because they had no tangible evidence, he, he wasn't charged. But I think the, for me, because I've done a lot of work on myself, I don't feel like I need justice. But one thing I went to the police for is, this guy, he's a governor at his granddaughter's school. He lives with his grandchildren. He has access to kids. That makes me feel physically sick. And when I just think to myself, like, how can somebody like that get away with something? And, and I won't have been the only person that that's happened to, to do with him. And the fact that he's still around kids and putting himself in a situation where he's around kids is just that's one thing I can't get my head around and this is the best thing when I did my events company I did um, a children's baby fair and he volunteered to be the Santa Claus I was like but again nothing came back Johnny this is how mental our brains are and how much our subconscious tries to protect us to a point where it doesn't actually protect us so for you how do you then pick yourself up and not have that no. burden just eating away at you now that you've seen him so this is the thing, when, before, so with the modalities that I've trained in, which is EFT, Matrix, Reimprinting, Insight, K, Reiki, and NLP, a lot of it is to do with um, like limiting beliefs, a lot of it is to do with emotional charge, to do with our emotions, and when we have anxiety or when we have depression, it's because we have been triggered and it's taken us back to an experience where we felt all these heavy emotions before. If you can imagine, when something like that happens to you, you have post-traumatic stress disorder. So every time I spoke about it, I was re-traumatizing myself because my brain was going back to that place and it had all these emotional charge, um, so all the emotional charge attached to it, such as fear, panic, the, the feeling of not being good enough, worry. Whereas when I've trained doing, especially Matrix in EFT, it took all of the emotional charge away from it. Whereas when you experience something at four, five, six, seven, eight, you experience it through a child because I was a child. So when you then relive it as an adult, you're going back to feeling how you did as a child. But if you take away the emotional charge that that child felt at that age, when you revisit it, there's, there's no emotions there because you can see it from an adult's point of view. Like when I've revisited it after taking the emotional charge out of it, I now know that was nothing to do with me. That was not my fault. It was this sick guy who's just taking advantage and, I understand that, whereas a lot of people have been abused, they don't know that we can actually eliminate the emotional charge behind the experience. And if you forget that you've been abused or you suppress memories, you grow up thinking that you're not good enough, that you don't deserve um, X, Y, and Z. Does that answer your question? It does, it does. But it makes me also think when that all happens to you and you're, when you've tried these coping mechanisms, to then go on TV and overtly put yourself out there, not necessarily for the press, but the fact that you go on a TV show like The Apprentice that look to find those news lines and look for you, basically you to become insecure because although you're there to become Lord Sugar's you know, number two, effectively mm -hmm. you're there as a reality star and same with Sarsby brother as well that you're putting yourself out there and that insecurity inside you of this is all going to come and blow up in my face must have been there for you you know the crazy thing is so i nearly didn't go on the apprentice 
because it came because everything came back two weeks prior i was like i'm not gonna go on it and before everything came back my leather pants my red lipstick my two statement things i was used to wear and i, I just didn't i just didn't want to wear my leather pants this little voice inside said no if you do that he's won so i made myself get out of bed i made myself put my leather pants on and my red lipstick and i must have listened to helen reddy's song i am woman hear me roar in numbers too big to ignore to go back the, honestly the lyrics are absolutely incredible I must have listened to that probably on repeat every single day. And it was my sister that said to me, Jessica, you need to go on. Um, so I went onto the show. I saw a therapist twice within that two weeks. Um, and literally, I just had this song, put it in the box and deal with it later. Put it in the box and deal with it later. So every time it would surface, I'd literally put it in a box and I'd visualise putting this box on the shelf to deal with later. Um, but I'll tell you one thing that happened. When, when you're in The Apprentice, you're not allowed music. whereas in the cars or the taxis when they're driving you from task to task depending what driver you had they'd sometimes sneak a song on for you so we'd have like carpool karaoke and i asked for helen reddy i am woman to come on thinking that would really empower me but it did the complete opposite so everyone's in a really high vibe good mood i asked for this song on then all of a sudden i just break down in tears and nobody knew what the hell had gone on everyone's like what, what's happened are you all right you're right what's happened what's happened um yeah it was crazy but it was only really when the girl's father passed over was when I actually started to deal with what had happened. You've lived just a life of a lot of emotions and a lot of energies, talking from a regular perspective, a lot of energies that haven't aligned mm. with you. But then you've also used your energies in a massive, amazing way, looking from a business point of view. And your businesses have been thriving. What you've done with the Podigal Fox, yeah. what you've done with your two new businesses now, uh, Conscious Female Entrepreneurs, what you've done recently with creating the magic with the moon. How does that all line up for you? Do you know what? I think this is one thing that I truly believe. I think if you have trauma in your life, it actually opens you up massively spiritually. Um, and now I know at first when everything came back, I was like, how, yeah, I couldn't understand how that could happen to me. I didn't think stuff like that would ever happen to me. Um, but actually, looking back, I know that had to happen because if it wouldn't, I wouldn't have as much empathy. I wouldn't have had um, our body experiences. I wouldn't have had all these crazy, magical, spiritual things happen to me if that wouldn't have happened. And I certainly, I certainly wouldn't have had as much grit, as much drive. And I think a lot of the time I've tried to probably keep myself busy not to think about it, which has actually progressed everything uh, further forward. As a life coach, you are speaking to people who have been in similar traumas. Does that not trigger it for yeah. you? And does it not also make you go, well, hold on a minute, you've got this trauma, I've had it like this. And uh, it's almost like the energies are clashing with each other because you're not seeing it from an objective point of view. You're very subjective that I know what you've been through or yes, you've said that, but imagine if you were me who went through that. No, I think it's really weird actually. When I work with one-on-one -on -one clients, um, a lot of my one-on-one -on -one clients have had pretty much the same experience and this was even before I'd openly started to speak about everything um but what you find is again because I've done the work on myself to remove that emotional charge when somebody comes with me I, and also as well like I can I feel like I can get into their headspace and I feel like I can get into how that energy is and because I've studied people and people fascinate me I understand about body language I understand about tone I understand um just when people do things how that how emotionally they are inside from what they're doing on an outside point of view and from what they're telling me and if anything it gives me a real understanding of where this person is at, at that moment and how I can actually help them but with EFT and midstream printing and site care the three modalities that 
I'm a practitioner. Those three modalities are absolutely life-changing and every single client that I've worked with using those three modalities have completely transformed their life in a sense of they go from feeling insecure like not lovable like not good enough to confident they feel more than capable and all that is is just taking away the emotional charge of that experience that has happened to them which has made them believe a certain thing about themselves it's an amazing thing. I love the idea of energy so much. And I get my chakras lined real. up once a month. Yeah. Oh my God. I don't do it because it's the full sense of, so I see it as very much like I, so I go and get my chakras lined up and I do the meditation yeah. every night. And I feel like if I do all these things and I've spoken about this on the podcast quite a lot. So I'll take a step back. I wake up and I make my bed and I put all the show yeah. cushions on there and I bought extra pillows to make the bed even a bigger task to do. I go on a two yeah. hour walk. God, you're getting excited now. I do a two-hour. <laughs> you, you sure you're not going to have another kid soon? Um, I go on a two-hour walk every morning. I notice something different on my walk every day. I oh. actively seek it. I do the gratitude die and find five things to be grateful for. Blah, blah blah. Do the meditation. It's all from Jay Shetty's Think Like a Mont book, and oh, it's amazing brilliant. when you do the meditation and when you get your chakras lined up. You get someone to line chakras up, and the woman I see, obviously with lockdown, said to me, "We were supposed to have an appointment," and I said, "I don't want to do it." And she was like let's do it on zoom it's fine it's spiritual I went yeah. no it's not because when you touch no, my hand though. it's not yeah. when you touch my hand and I'm around your presence I feel that energy coming to me if I'm doing it through a screen I'm not going to get the energy vibe and it's oh, very much like come you see that see I would completely disagree there so again I don't know I don't know how much your viewers or your listeners are into energy and into spirit and mediumship um but around so around two years ago when just before I started coaching um I discovered that I had mediumship and I can basically when spirit comes through it is energy and through doing my reiki and through doing my reiki masters you can send energy to people and they can feel it because it is energy so what I think I think you have that belief that you need to be in the presence of that person whereas I know sometimes people will be saying a prayer for me or people will be sending me energy because all of a sudden I will feel it. I'll feel this energy overcome me and it's it's bizarre. And what I'll do, do you know what I'm going to do actually, Johnny? I'm literally, I'm going to send you some energy over this next week and at 100% you will feel it and you will message me throughout this week and you'll be like, Jess, you've just sent me energy because you'll feel it. Can you find me a another... girlfriend with that energy? <laughs> yeah, I can actually. I'll put you out, I'll pimp you out. But honestly, energy is so real. And this is the thing that, did you know, right? I'm going off on a bit of a tangent here, aren't I? But I feel that the energy stuff is stuff that I'm really passionate about. But back in the 50s, when um, America and Russia were, what was it? Was it the Russian collusion? Or what was it back in the 50s to do with America and Russia? So basically, the CIA um, used to hire mediums and psychics um, to do with a program called remote viewing. And what they used to do, they used to get mediums and psychics to spy on what Russia was doing through using mediumship and psychism. This program ran for 25 years, right? It's from the 50s for 25 years. If a program didn't work, they wouldn't run it for 25 years. So I personally believe that this program still happens now. But also, if you look back to 25 years ago, 30 years ago, that's when there started to be a massive suppression on spirituality. That's when people like when Mystic Meg and Russell Grant started to get wiped off. That's when um, all films and movies started portraying spiritual people as crackpots and woo-woo people because there's been a massive suppression to do with spirituality. 
But that's why also there is a job out there. So whenever you think of a job, like, for example, with therapists or life coaches, there had to be yeah. enough of a demand to create an industry for it. And it doesn't need to yeah. necessarily be energies through chakras. I always growing up had my what I called lucky boxer shorts. They never made me lucky. Yeah. But even when I had <laughs> an exam at school, GCSE A-level, I used to put on my best shirt. It wasn't a best shirt. It was just a shirt that I thought made me look good. Jeans the belt, the shoes, the boxer shorts. And I was like, right, aftershave, I feel good. I look good. I'm going to do good in this exam. It never happened. Same as when I go on a date. Every time I go on a date, I wear the exact same two pairs of boxer shorts because one ripped, so I'm now on to a new one. And it's like, <laughs> I put that energy that if I would only wear those boxer shorts when I want something good to happen. It doesn't always happen. Sometimes I do yeah. blame the boxer shorts, but it's it's having that idea of faith and going back to meeting the woman yeah. each week, each time for my chakras. It's having that belief that the energy is happening. Going back to walking, going back to the meditating, it's all little traits that we use to make us think that something good is going to happen because at the end of the day we're all looking for happiness we're all seeking that contentness yeah and we've got to do whatever we can especially in these hard times now to really find a way to do that well do you know what's really funny i follow a guy called bruce lipton and dr joe Dispenza. they're both doctors actually um but with both of them they're both scientists but they're trying to bridge the gap between spirituality and science because now what we believe to be real to do with um, like science and medicine actually is some parts that are flawed um, and there's, uh, there has to be something else, i.e. the soul there, i.e. Spirit, like spirit there. But it's the, the two guys are fascinating. If you've got a chance, follow them. They're brilliant. This is the thing. There are some amazing people out there, but it's all through word of mouth. And until we hear yeah. that person's name, we will not know about them. But there are so many people out there that are trying to change the world for good. Like you said, them, like you said, Jay Shetty, yourself. Who has taught you the most and what's been the biggest lesson you've learned from them? I remember being 18 when I worked in Magaluf. And the book that absolutely started me on this spiritual journey was um, by a guy called Robert Charman. And it was The Monk That Sold His Red Ferrari. That book completely changed my life. And then... I started looking into self-help. I started reading The Secret. I started understanding how energy works, about how mindset works, the power of positive thinking. And then when I separated with my girl's um, father, I moved back in with my mum and I was just in a really bad place. And I was like, right, I need, I need, like, what can I do? I had no money. I think I had about 10 pence in the bank. <laughs> it was horrific. So I started just listening to Tony Robbins um, and he honestly completely changed my life. I used to listen to his podcast. I used to listen to his YouTube channel um, and just the techniques in his free content completely transformed who I was and it really ramped everything up. And then again, when everything came back and after, uh, after going on to The Apprentice and Big Brother, and after having another trauma to do within the family, that's when I really delved back into spirituality and then started going even more. And then throughout the whole lockdown and the pandemic last year, that's when I've delved even deeper into spirituality. And if you look at really, really super successful, high, powerful, really wealthy, wealthy people, a lot of them have shamans. A lot of them do astronomy. A lot of them have um, like spiritual teachers, spiritual gurus. A lot of them believe in numerology. You know, they, they work within the planetary systems. So why? You know, these are hugely, hugely successful multi-millionaire, billionaire people who have Chinese astrologers reading their charts for them to tell them when they're looking in their fortune. They believe in numerology. They have shamans clearing their energy. Why? And all of them have this in common. Well, not all of them, actually, but the, a, a huge percentage have this in common. They do, like, work with spirits. So 
for me when I discovered that it deserved looking into more and actually when I've started bringing spirituality plus strategy into my businesses that's when everything has become more easier I felt more in alignment more in flow it's amazing it's absolutely <laughs> amazing and what you do with that is amazing and it's interesting you use the word money when it comes to success because i would never have thought that although you are a business guru oh, success and money don't necessarily go hand in hand and i think that's the problem that we all seek success mm. rather than just happiness do you know what though the thing is that like, i wouldn't say i'm i wouldn't say i'm massively money motivated um don't get me wrong when i like i love having it because it makes things easier for you and it makes it makes choices easier you can afford to do things um, whereas for me, it's the achievement. I love doing something new and achieving something. Um, and also as well, I think it's, I think we have, and also as well, that when you don't have money, that's when you really want the material things. That's when you really want like a bloody 3000 pounds lean bag. That's when you really want all this stuff because you feel like this stuff is going to make you feel or look secure. Whereas actually when you have money and you do the work on your, your inner self and you feel confident inside, you don't give a toss about the three grand bag and you don't give a toss about, I don't know, the, the materialistic things. But again, you carry on inspiring me. You know, you've been through <laughs> such hard times in your life, but you've taken those lessons from it and grown. I think the, the final question I want to ask you, Jessica Cunningham, is going okay. back to when you were, I suppose, around 13 years old what would you tell yourself now after what you'd just been through prior to that growing up with the yeah. abuse but pre-becoming this savvy businesswoman being at school where it didn't really go well for you being at school where you weren't really impressed by anyone but then out of school working with your dad and learning to grow like that what do you think was the biggest lesson that you would tell yourself now if you were that age again do you know what i tell myself that whatever <laughs> I don't know like it doesn't matter like when you're I remember I remember being 13 14 15 in my early teenage years just getting into I mean I got into a lot of trouble <laughs> my poor mum I put her through hell in my teenage years um but again I would I would let her know that she's really loved actually and I would let her to, I would let her or I would like to get her on the path of knowing that there's something bigger than she is that has her back, that there is there is such thing as faith, there is such thing as energy, as God, as the universe, there is such things that she can rely on. Because I think nowadays so many teenagers are so obsessed with social media, are so obsessed with these falsities of life, which isn't real. And all it does is makes them feel crap about themselves. But at that time, it was, you know, because we were the poor kids, if you will, at this private school. It was going on to these bloody massive mansions and, and feeling like that. But I just let her know it doesn't matter. And I probably show her a glimpse of the future. <laughs> so she knows that it's all good. Jessica Cunningham there she's been on The Apprentice she's been on Celebrity Big Brother and she was here to inspire you and what an amazing lady she is the fact of how amazing her businesses are first of all is a 
to be applauded. But secondly, going through the abuse that she had, having that trauma come back to her and what she's done with it and how she's lined up her spirits is just so amazing. I really hope it inspires you. And if you have been affected by what you've heard, please do contact Women's Aid. It's really important you do seek the help if you need it. You've been listening to Security and Security with me, Johnny Seifert. If you've liked what you heard, please do help me out. Please do go on to Apple Podcasts give it a five-star rating and leave a review. I can't make this podcast successful for your help and I want you to spread the word it's okay to not be okay. Don't forget we're also on Instagram, Secure the Insecure Podcast, where you can find us. Every day I put a little teaser of a previous episode and I put an inspirational quote as well to motivate you as well. Until next time, thank you so much for listening. I've been Johnny Seifert. Thank you and goodbye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.